Welcome to the 1 million euro stories. I am Eris. I talk to people from the business world about their mission and money and their rise to success. I love to talk about venture capital, sales, the psychology of marketing, tech ecosystem, and the matrices of success. I am welcoming our guests to the studio. Welcome, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Angema Valab. I am the co-founder at Hub and the founding partner at 535 Ventures. I'm calling in from Johannesburg in South Africa. So welcome. When I just hear you talk about um, 35 Ventures, can you tell me a little bit about the name of, of the fund? Sure. So the fund is called 535 Ventures, and it really is a culmination of the bigger Wumhub group of companies, um, the ecosystem that I've built, really supporting developing and now investing in women in STEM across Africa. Um, so in our group of companies, we have four verticals, uh, Women, which develops female engineering and tech talent, WOMHUB, which um, works with female-led businesses. It's our entrepreneurship vertical, where we run incubate and accelerator programs. We then have spaces, which is the vertical that's, you know, co-working spaces, female-centric co-working spaces that we're building across the continent. And that culminates in capital because none of this matters if we can't move capital to more women. Um, So 535 Ventures, one, it's part of our bigger ecosystem. But two, for me, um, you know, the the name really speaks to the the opportunity, surely the the challenge, but also the opportunity that therein lies in investing in female-led businesses. We know if we add more women entrepreneurs to the African ecosystem, we could see up to a 5% GDP uplift by leveraging the 35% higher ROI that diverse teams are able to achieve over all male-led teams if the playing field was level. So our job really at 535 is to level the playing field, make sure that women have access to opportunities, access to capital, access to networks, and access to support as to support, you know, as they grow and scale these companies from a really early stage um, onwards. And that's what we're doing at 535 Ventures. The mandate of the fund is fourfold. So we invest in pan-African, female-focused, tech-enabled businesses at a seed stage. And when I hear you talk about the name, it it just makes me curious that you put um, the number in it for an increase 5% in GP. And I found it really interesting. Why did you put that in there? Well, so like I said, the engineer in me automatically goes to numbers. That's just the way my brain works. Um, But also everything that I do is with a lot of intentionality. And, you know, when we thought about the name, like I said, it represents our mission, but also the opportunity. And oftentimes when it comes to when you're working, you know, with underrepresented demographics, be it gender, be it people of color and disabilities or like, the minute you're doing something with impact, people automatically put you in this little bucket of just impact, charity, non-profits, the sideshow sometimes, even if you will. And I was like, no, I am very serious about the commercial returns that can be had if done right. And there was a seriousness attached to having a name that, of course, by who we are, you know, impact is at the core of what we do. But where do we find the space where profit meets purpose? 
And, you know, purpose and profit don't have to live in separate houses. They're not mutually exclusive. And, you know, for me, the name, the numbers speaks to, as I keep saying, opportunity, there's returns. We are targeting this, you know, 35% higher ROI that women-led businesses or diverse teams can achieve if the playing field was level. Research shows it, experience shows it, but let's put our money where our mouth is and actually take a bet back these companies um, so that they can you know, have the springboard to not just survive, but thrive in the environment. But if you look at it, it's really impressive if the diverse teams and female-led teams have a 35% higher return of investment. Because otherwise... Yeah. And that's just it, right? So this is research-based. The Kaufman Foundation uh, assists female entrepreneurs, assist, and it's not only entrepreneurs. In you know, we know there's also enough research out there that shows that companies with more women on boards, or rather more diverse boards, diversity is beyond just women for sure. Um, so the minute you have more diversity, diverse boards, diverse employment base, diverse company, companies led by diverse teams, startups through through to you know your big public companies they generally perform better. You know, why would you want so many of the same in any case? When you have differentiation innovation, you have difference of thought, different of expertise. Um, I come from an engineering background. You know, in a single engineering project, it isn't just only chemical engineers or mechanical engineers. You work with what we call multidisciplinary teams because they all come with a different set of expertise. Now that extrapolates to, like I said, um, for me, obviously I'm biased, but it's obvious that the more diversity you have, the higher returns you're going to have. The fact that the research has picked a number to that, that's probably more interesting. Um, that doesn't mean it's exclusively so. Sometimes it's higher, sometimes it's lower. But on average, we do what's certain is that diverse teams perform better. And hence, I said, you know, this is not just about the right thing to do, but there's a commercial imperative, there's a business prerogative to be able to capture this opportunity if done in the right way. Yeah, because uh, when I hear you talk like that, usually when you talk about, you know, uh, females more in, you know, executive functions or in startups, it feels sometimes a little bit like um, a charity or, you know, mandate kind of thing. But if you look at the numbers and the return that's coming back, then it sounds and it feels more powerful to ask and to see how you can do that. And, and absolutely, you know, and I'm not, I'm not knocking. I mean, my first organization was a nonprofit. It is a nonprofit, it's still existing. And I have, you know, I've loved playing in that space and we've had tremendous impact. But I do think, and unfortunately, there's a lot of unconscious bias, there's perceptions, especially, you know, compound the, 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 the nonprofit or the impact conversation with the Africa conversation. And like I said, oftentimes the first instinct is people think it's this poverty mindset, charity mentality. So there's a lot of unlearning and relearning we need to do, not just in our narratives, but the way we perceive it works both ways, right? The industry needs to transform in seeing opportunity. Um, you know, if you... One of the reasons why I'm starting a fund is because, you know, one of the reasons that um, there's so little funding going to women entrepreneurs, there's many reasons, but one of them is there aren't enough women at investment decision-making tables. People invest in, people work with people who know, like, and, you know, sound like them, people with this familiarity. So if there isn't representation on the other side, you're not going to have the capital flowing. 
So, and I think narratives are important. I think whether it's culturally, whether it's gender or otherwise, um, you know, we're brought up not to talk about money. We're brought up to know, you know, don't, be, don't, don't say it too loud, you're going to be successful. And hence, you know, more often than not, women, um, by virtue of what they do, there is an impact imperative. Like I said, there's a stat that says, you know, women in the emerging, the developing markets spend 90 cents of every dollar earned on other. So health, community, education, whatever else, but not on self. Now, if you extrapolate that to female entrepreneurs, there is, of course, going to be impact. And once again, I'm speaking with a big blanketed generalization, but on average, that's what we see more. So again, I emphasize over and over again that profit and purpose don't have to live in separate houses. But until we have the profit conversation, until we have the commercial conversation, until we have big, audacious goals around building scalable, profitable empires, not projects, not initiatives. Um, you know, we, we've built a whole ecosystem with WOMHUB, between women, WOMHUB and now 535. And I often still get people saying to me, oh, that's a lovely initiative. I'm like, you know, because that's the way they perceive it. Um, but I'm just like, if you look at the numbers, if you look at the returns, that doesn't lie, traction shows. So I think it's being more um, visible um, and having everybody, you know, different demographics change the conversation, change the narrative, change the way we think around female-led or even just the bigger underrepresented demographic of, you know, starting businesses, playing shoulder to shoulder with, you know, I say in air quotes, the big boys, because, you know, that's historically the Airbnbs, Facebook, um, you know, all those founders very much look and sound in a very unilateral same way. So how do we start diversifying so that that we can change, literally quite, quite literally change the face of, of entrepreneurship um, globally, but especially on the continent. And if you look at the fund, what is the vision now for it? Yeah, so 535 Ventures, we are targeting a $30 million fund and we will write seat tickets up to $500,000. Um, we are just getting started. So we're a seven-year fund. We will spend the first three years um, raising and investing and then the four years harvest. So we got started last year. We've raised um, our first million and a bit. We've done 18 investments, small investments, but really great um, track record builders, starters that really bring our thesis to life. And to remind you, our thesis is to invest in pan-African, female-focused, tech-enabled businesses at a seed stage. Um, so we, like I said, we've got started. And the gender lens for us, um, it extends beyond just investing in female-focused companies. We are largely a female team, but diversity works both ways. So, of course, we have a mixed team. But we also, in terms of capital raising, um, you know, traditionally, of course, we're raising from individuals, family offices, foundations, through to institutions. But on the individual side, it's also VC has historically been a space that has been quite exclusionary for women, um, sometimes actively and sometimes passively. Um, a lot of women don't believe that they can play in this space because, you know, they don't come from investment banking backgrounds. They, you know, they don't see themselves as ultra high net worth individuals. And I think my journey into upskilling myself, I'm not, I'm not a traditional VC profile either. I'm an engineer turned entrepreneur, now turned investor. And I've spent the last few years upskilling myself and building my own track record. And in doing so, realizing we need to open and clear that path for more people like me who for the longest time thought that, you know, who am I to play in this space to realize actually I can. And, you know, there's a way for me to get involved. So we've set up what I'm calling the 35er club. And the 35er club is an allocation for women investors, 
for first-time investors to invest into 535 at significantly lower barriers. So the minimum capital threshold is lower. So we take investments from 35K upwards, which is quite unusual for a fund our size. Um, we have an invest education program that allows more women first-time investors to you know, learn more about the space, but it's also a peer community component and building a community of women investors who can learn from each other. They may become you know, future female fund managers. They may become more active in the space. But my hypothesis really is if women invest for the first time, they will invest again. But oftentimes, we just need to be handheld into the space. And that's my role. Um, I'm very proud to say, you know, of our first million and a bit raised, more than 85% came from first-time women investors. And I think that's, that just shows how the space is growing and how these women will then be active. It's not limited to women for sure. Like, you know, first time in Africa, investors, entrepreneurs who have now become investors, but really people who are looking to foray into the space but don't quite know how to get started. Um, that's what we at 535 are doing to grow and, you know, um, expand this ecosystem of active investors in a more diverse way on the continent. So how did it go for you? Because if women haven't started investing yet, then it's like this new new bridge to climb, that kind of thing. So how was it for you to motivate or inspire those women to invest? So the whole thing is now always says an entrepreneur, when you don't know what to do, do what you know. I've built a global business. Womab has had incredible growth. We've built a network. I'm a first generation entrepreneur. You know, I didn't inherit a network. Uh, myself and my partner, Nadia, we spent a lot of time, a lot of blood, sweat and tears getting to where we are. And I think that earns trust, that earns credibility. While I may be a first time fund manager, I have a track record of execution. And when I look at our network and the people who have the early investors, it's people who are taking a bet on me as the fund manager. They're opening up their networks. And that's where our initial investments came from. Of course, being active in this space, you have to spend a lot of time fundraising, socializing the opportunity, socializing the Africa landscape, um, socializing gender as an opportunity as well. Um, so I spend a lot of time on the ground, traveling, meeting with investors, um, learning about where their interests lie, um, you know, understanding their needs and where they want to play. And then when I feel there is a match, you know, how do we, you know, how, where do we find the overlaps? And really, like I keep saying, handhold them into the space. So it has been a very uh, malleable, tangible journey, uh, being super active in being very visible. Um, and you know, not everything's transactional. Uh, raising a fund is also very much a relationship journey. People need to trust me in order to know that you know I'm managing their money um, and, the, and the founders that we choose, the companies, Womhub is really poised to pick the winners because we've been playing in the space for you know 18 years. Um, and our sister fund launch Africa, the kind of the most active seed stage investor on the continent. We have an ecosystem at play, and that's what differentiates us and makes us attractive for investors. And we're really excited around, you know, um, I keep saying expanding the space and making sure that there are more new funds like ours um, that, you know, are trailblazing. It's not exciting to be the first, let me tell you that. Like, I think we need more women fund managers. I want more funds like ours. It's not about competition. The pie is big enough for everybody, but how do we get more people playing in this space actively? And if you look at the fund, is it um, which is the target um, the target area? Is there one country in in Africa, or where are you looking at? So as I mentioned, our thesis is fourfold. We invest in pan-African, female-focused, tech-enabled businesses at a seed stage. 
Um, so it's really unique in the sense of I think we're one of the only gender lens funds investing across the continent. The big mm-hmm. four markets are there, of course, South Africa, Nigeria, Kenya, and Egypt. But we're equally excited about the secondary markets, Ghana, Senegal, DRC, um, Cote d'Ivoire, you know, Morocco, uh, Tunisia. We have done 18 investments across eight countries so far. Um, we also see ourselves as a frontier fund, hence the secondary markets are exciting for us. Um, and female focus for us exists on multiple layers. Um, you know, the, the team must either be female-led um, or female co-owned, a largely female employment base, but an intentionally female consumer base. So, you know, for example, you could have a male founder who has a maternal health app that's very intentionally female focused. So for us, my mandate is really to have more women participating in economic activity or being serviced in a way that helps them be more active in economic activity. Um, So that's really, you know, we've been very deliberate and intentional about our thesis. Um, Sector agnostic, but there must be a tech enablement. And then, like I said, early stage businesses. So for us, we look at the pre-seed and seed stages. And if you look at from, you know, the female founder's perspective, what do you look out for for a female founder when they come to a fund? Yeah. And, you know, so if you think about seed stage um, at, at, across the board, at an early stage, you largely back in the jockey before you walk back the horse, right? So we didn't look at founders who have high potential. Yes, of course, they need to have a business. They need to have shown early traction and the business must have legs. But largely you're back in the founder, And I think with female founders, again, this is what I said earlier, where until there are more people who look and sound like them, there isn't enough capital being allocated to female founders. So I think especially with my history with WormHub, we're able to pick the winners. We've worked with female founders for an incredibly long time. We understand their needs, we understand their challenges, and we're able to um, support and develop them in a fairly unique way. You know, the value creation at 535 speaks about not just developing them to get them investor ready, but post-investment support to get them active and help them raise their subsequent rounds. So we look at founders, of course, it's going to be a great idea, what they're doing, on traction. We have some very specific criteria around, you know, how much uh, monthly revenue they should be generating, what sort of sectors they play in, what's the tech enablement and IP. But from a founder perspective, we look at founders who, you know, absolutely founders who have had startups before successful startups who have shown um, a success in execution, who are tenacious, who have uh, you know, resilience. Um, and it's very much that journey of getting to know the founders, getting to understand their buying in the business and understanding their long-term trajectory and vision. Um, so it's a little bit of the end in both. You know, it's art meets science in some ways, uh, but that's really our superpower at Warp Hub is how to identify the winners um, with regards to the you know, gender lens investing demographic in particular. Yeah, because then I'm thinking like, how then, if you look at it, how do you pick the winners? Because everybody wants to be in the winning side. Absolutely. And, you know, so the Africa VC scene is still fairly nascent. Um, And I always say, you know, a lot of VCs are fishing in the same ponds. And I think it's been able to, and I think this is, again, why it's a strength to not come from the traditional investment banking background. Again, with WOMHUB, you know, WOMHUB is a global company between women and WOMHUB. We've worked in 30 countries around the world uh, with the strong folks on the African continent. And WOMHUB, it's a falter. So WOMHUB sees a large number of companies. We're already faltering to which of those, you know, will go the investment track. Which of those meet 535 criteria? Which of those are investor really at the stage and the time of what we're, where we're playing as well? So we have a really broad pipeline 
which we keep refining as we groom them into 535. But beyond the Wumha pipeline, we've also established ourselves as a really uh, you know, successful gender player on the continent. So female founders are seeking us out, right? We have female founders who are saying, you know, I've heard about Wumha, I've been through a Wumha program, I know this, I know what you're doing. And we want a meaningful gender lens invest on our continent. I'm sorry, on our cap table. Um, so, you know, they, they seek us out. And then, of course, we go through, make no mistake, we don't just invest because it's a female founder. They have to be high caliber. We have stringent criteria, which we measure against, but we're able to, that, that's our, like, you know, the secret source. We're able to assess them in a way that um, that's beyond just the biases and all these things that exist. You know, there's a whole lot of research done and um, disassociative questioning how, you know, male founders will get asked promotional questions. So tell us about your growth and expansion while female founders will get asked precautionary questions. How are you going to defend your market? It's the same question, but it's just asked differently. So I think when we're able to, you know, see fishing different ponds, um, you know, seek these founders out and be able to ask and assess them in different ways. We're able to take the unpolished diamonds, even if you will, and, you know, see the potential of, you know, grooming them into this polished shining star. Um, and I guess the other thing is, you know, I don't buy the narrative that there aren't enough female founders. We know that Africa, Africa is one of the only continent, I think Africa is the only continent that has more female entrepreneurs than male who are typically more educated and more experienced, but who again, don't have access to the same opportunities. So it's our job to, you know, give them that access and to, you know, be able to seek them out. Because you said like for um, 35 ventures, you have like the fund, you can back up uh, female founders. If female founders want to get into the fund and want to get, you know, funded, is it still possible for them to come to your fund or how is it now going? Yeah, and I mean, this is why the ecosystem exists, right? So if a so yes, founders can apply to our fund directly. You know, the website is there. You can apply to 535. And if you meet the criteria and if we find this potential, we'll take you through that, that, um, that journey. But a lot of times companies apply and they're too early. Then we can channel them to Wumhub and put them through one of our programs to get them investor ready. Um, so there's multiple points of entry. Some of our womb engines, so those who came from our talent programs in the early days, have now started companies. They've come through a Wumhub incubator accelerator, and now we're tracking them for 535. So there's a linear journey. There's founders who have come from that is from Wumhub, and we're now tracking them for 535. Or there's companies that come that into 535, and we'll track them there or we'll churn them back and say, go through a Wumha program first. And of course, in our bigger ecosystem from Launch Africa, for example, the, their first fund, which is now closed, um, you know, they're getting applicants all the time. And those that meet our criteria, we perhaps co-invest with them, or those who, you know, who, they, who Launch Africa can't invest in, not because they aren't great companies, but perhaps, you know, Launch Africa has a conflict company or they're oversubscribed in a certain way, they can churn them to us. So we have multiple sources of deal flow and pipeline and also for companies who come into one part of the ecosystem, we can always challenge them, ch channel them to a different part of the ecosystem which we feel is more suitable for them at the juncture that they're at. Okay. So we're just coming to an end uh, for this interview. Is there something else you wanna uh, share with our listeners before we wrap up? No, I think I think um, the there's a lot of stuff that's out there again, out on cliche, but you know, I think everything's a journey, right? Like 
This is people, what's the, what's the term that says, you know, you're an overnight success of 18 years. Um, I think it's been a long journey. There's been a lot of failure along the way. And I think it's easy to look at an ecosystem like ours and be like, wow, that's so fantastic. It's so great. But let me tell you, there's been a lot of failure along the way. There's a lot of things we've tried and hasn't worked. Um, you know, there's projects that we've started but failed. Um, it's easy to look at things when they're on the other side and say, oh, that's great. But know that, I always say I'm nothing special. If I can build this, anybody can. It's taken a lot of grit and resilience, but a really deep conviction for I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. My why is exceptionally clear. Um, and you know, that's what gets me out of bed on a rainy day. Um, it's not always easy, as I keep saying, but um I don't I, I choose to be uh, like I, and I think that's the most important thing. That is women we need to learn to dictate our terms and choose our paths. Um, and then be willing to work hard for that, as opposed to, you know, have people direct you and put you in boxes and, um, you know, clamp you down. And I think that the earlier in life we learn that, um, the more we're able to, you know, like I said, it's not a bit cliche, but spread our wings. I'm grateful for the mentors I've had along the way. The lonely is journey. Oh, the journey is lonely. Um, so, you know, I always say, I'm grateful for my co-founder. We've had an incredible journey together and we have so much ahead of us. So I think be really deliberate about who you choose to work with as well, because that can be a very big indicator of your success and what the people who are um, coming along with you. Mm, thank you so much, Emma. Great. Um, well, it was lovely chatting to you, Iris, and thank you for the opportunity. And I hope the listeners found some value in our conversation. Thank you. This was an episode of the 1 Million Euro Stories. There is a new world to unlock. Let's believe. Let's be bold. Let's be fierce. Let us open a new door. I am Aris from the 1 million euro stories. Thank you for listening. And if you want to make sure that you know when a new episode comes out, from the 1 million euro stories, click on subscribe on your podcast app and you will be notified when a new episode comes out. Thank you for listening and I will see you next time.